When I met Andrew Ward and Nick Morris earlier this week to talk harvest and sugar beet, I told them I was contemplating doing a rain dance. <laughs> Is that the right idea, do you think? I think it's definitely the right idea, yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's a good idea. I'm just not sure we'll have the desired effect. <laughs> yeah, well, who's laughing now, huh? The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Hello. Yes, after weeks of dry weather, finally we've seen rain. Heavy downpours and thunderstorms, depending exactly where you are. With harvest underway, though, was the extent of the downpours a welcome relief? Or, with the land so dry, just more of a hindrance? What effect did the near-record temperatures in the week have on harvest as well? Earlier this week, before the storms, I visited Andrew Ward on his farm to see just how they're coping there. We're coping quite well at the moment. We're in the middle of, of uh, harvesting the rape. We've probably another another um, 300 acres left to do. But the rape yields are, are variable. The best we've had uh, is 4.5 tonnes a hectare or, or 3,600 weight an acre in, in old money, um, which is OK, but it's not as good as where we'd, we'd normally be. And actually, I think possibly, looking at the fields we've done after that, that is probably, I'd say, nearly going to be our best yield because we've had some fields um, down to 3.5 tonnes a hectare. Um, so we're fairly broad spread and the rest in between those two figures. So we're a bit all over the place, Sean, but, but um, the dry weather, I think, yes, has caused a, you know, an issue with the, with the rape, um, not finishing properly. But uh, in a way, I'm, uh, we can't do anything about it. And what about other crops, Andrew? How are they doing? Uh, we've got uh, spring wheat, spring barley, winter wheat um, and some oats growing and sugar beet obviously but it's quite good that because we're on heavy clay land the other crops aren't, aren't quite ready yet and I know a lot of farmers in Cambridgeshire and Essex are combining wheat. We've got one field on the heath on the light land that might be ready in a week to 10 days mm-hmm. but the rest of our crops down here the spring wheat is very green which will be early September and the winter wheats are going to be another I'd have said another two to three weeks yet at least so so the rest of the crops are, are fine they're ripening and, and it's a good sign that they're still green because it means they're still growing a little bit. Um, sugar beet is the one that we're going to have to leave a long while because of, of um, it was late drilled um, we won't lift that till, till probably end of October early November but it's really crying out for rain but generally we're not too bad um, the rape is the first thing and I think we'll then have a bit of a breather a lot of people seem to be saying it is variable at the minute with yields mm, I mean, mm, yeah, that, that, you're seeing the same very much so um, and this is, the, this is the, what happens with farming what causes these variability yields is it the weather which yes it does have a huge part to play in it when you look at the weather we had uh, in, in uh, April, May we had a massive amount of, of um, uh, wet and we, we went through I think virtually we had virtually 20 20 odd days where where we didn't do anything on the fields at all in 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 the latter half of of april because it was just rain nearly every day and on heavy soils here that we are um we we just couldn't do it and so that causes a problem so um all the crops have need so many day degrees of, of, of temperature to get to a certain stage and get to a yield and if you've got a crop going in the ground late we're now with this hot weather harvest is early so all of a sudden the window and those day degrees and and the area where the crop is in the ground um is suddenly shortened both ends so we're bound to have affected yields and and you know there's nothing we can do about it you know like you've heard me say before um the weather is something out of our control so just just yeah don't worry about it just worry about something you can control because when we see you in the fields and we you know drive past and see the combine and you you bringing it all in once it's in the shed that's not the end of the story is it 
It, it's not, and it's very interesting. I, I often wonder how, how much of that the public realise, that once we, we have the crop and it's combined, we've got the combine stood behind us here in the yard, and once that's done the job in the field and the trailers then bring it in the shed, you know, probably a lot of people think that's it now, job done, but it's far from it. It's only just started because we've spent 10 months in if it's a winter crop 10 or 11 months growing the crop out in the field doing the best we can to get the most uh, from it it then goes in in into the field it then grows it's in the combine it's in the shed but then we have to manage it once it's in the shed because at the moment the temperature that these crops are being harvested at is colossal and they're coming in at around about 30 degrees Mm. and if we leave the crop in those sheds at those temperatures within days you'll get insects developing within the crop and then they burrow into the grain and eat the the, the endosperm out of the grain and 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 the whole lot is is just starts to rot in the heap and it heats up and and it just sends the whole heap wrong so we have to start cooling um but obviously with the temperatures we've got now we can't cool during the day there's no point in, in, in it during the day you try and put the fans on at night I had my fans on last night and the temperature last night I think it got down to 19 degrees <laughs> which is great if you're having a barbecue outside yeah. but um, but it's still doing a little bit at the grain you know and it's still getting airflow through through the grain and this is what we have to do it's very important to get airflow through and so that side of it is massive and we keep going at that temperature wise we keep reducing the temperature of putting the fans on they've all got automatic controllers on that they pick up the outside temperature and we've got temperature spears inside the grain so they're looking at the difference and if the if the outside temperature is probably five degrees or six degrees cooler than what the grain temperature is the fans come on automatically and and then they'll switch off early in the morning when the temperature starts to rise and we have to do that andrew ward there and speaking of andrew you might know he uh, runs the two-week farm management development program at rice home with fellow farmers andrew brown and robert borrell well rhonda thompson who's the business development manager at bishop burton and rice home is here rhonda the uh, applications were due to kind of closed now but you've been caught out with the harvest really we have we have sean um last year the harvest dragged on and so that created a problem so so we're really suffering the same as the farmers in a way of 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 having problems with the weather so the closing date was officially today people that i know are applying i've told them i can give them a bit of leeway but we've decided to extend the date until the end of august to give people time to get through harvest and get their applications in just tell us a little bit about the course what areas it covers Okay. Uh, The course looks at things like uh, accounts, people motivation, personal motivation, marketing, social media. Um, We also look at managing difficult people, which is an important one. It's very much about developing their skills and giving them the tools to be able to drive that business forward and to manage people within the team. I know um, recent figures have shown a lot of people are kind of going back into the family business. They might have had a career somewhere else. They're now going back into the the family business. And I guess courses like this are are crucial to get those skills that they need going back into a farm business. Yeah, they are. And I I think, Sean, that it's really important to get people with outside skills into the industry. I think they bring a lot. They bring a different dimension. And actually, you know, loads of those loads of those skills are are transferable but i think it's important for them to do a course like this because it will give them the confidence to be able to deal with accounts to help to drive the business forward and to be involved in the strategy of doing that taking that business forward so as you say applications were due to close but um they stay open now till the end of august yeah end of august yes so just get in touch if if 
people want to get their application in. Yes, please. Don't leave it too late. There you go. Rhonda Thompson there. As you say, application's closing then at the end of August. Get in touch with Rhonda and the team at Rise Home if you're interested in that course. Right, let's go on to Sugar Beat now. Shall we find out the latest? Nick Morris is our man from British Sugar. How uh, How's the beat coping, Nick? Yeah, I mean, well, that is the, the topical question, and uh, I've lost count of how many times I've been, been asked that in the last few weeks. Looking around uh, a lot of the fields uh, across all the factory areas, actually, uh, we've got uh, some crops which are coping much better than others, I think it's fair to say. Um, our heavier soil types... Uh, while we've got enormous cracks in the soil, uh, particularly around the rows where the sugar beater had been sown, the crops are still growing really well, the canopy looks healthy, um, and I think you know you wouldn't uh, uh, have too many concerns about those, whereas we've got other crops on lighter land where you know by mid-morning on these hot days the leaves are actually wilted and are flat on the floor, so they're clearly being more severely impacted. Without a doubt, um, you know, I often uh, on this show sort of use my garden as a benchmark and I haven't cut my grass for four weeks now. So if the grass isn't growing, I dare say that, uh, you know, without, without a doubt, it'll be having an impact on sugar beet growth and it will be compromised on whichever soil type you're on. Um, soil moisture deficits will be ranging across the areas to a, to a degree. Uh, but either way, I think you can be sure there's a quite significant deficit. And I was just looking at some work from the BBRO this week at the uh, sugar beets response to uh, an inch of irrigation and with soil moisture deficits where they are uh, you could expect that if you put on an inch of water uh, or 25 mil per hectare you would easily expect a response of an economic response of five tons per hectare uh, of yield improvement so uh, if you had water available i would definitely recommend uh, applying it to sugar beet uh, at this time but i dare say that stocks are becoming very very low and being prioritized on uh, uh on other other root crops and uh, and and field veg so yeah it could be a luxury that would uh, that would pay if it was available um but ultimately uh we don't have yet any objective data to say categorically what the impact this has had on year but we we will do soon so uh we're about to undertake our series of root digs this is where we analyse samples from over 500 fields across the country for six consecutive weeks and we can compare that to um, uh, decades of historic comparable data to get a feel for uh, how how the crop's going to yield so we'll soon be able to hopefully answer that question a bit more objectively Um, but in short yeah has it had an impact of course it has Mm. Um, but uh, to what extent hoping not too significant it's interesting when you when you pull some of the uh, roots out of the field of a crop that's wilting, you're not expecting to find much below, but often you can be surprised and you still find a good root. It's also difficult to say how much sugar is being assimilated during this time because while the physical root size might not be increasing, the sugar concentration will be increasing because of the photosynthetic uh, process that uh, sucrose has developed in the plant. So, uh, yeah, I would say don't panic, not all is lost. We've still got a reasonable crop, I hope. Of course, it's the uh, the last week in July. Typically, this time of year, you, you would be saying put the fungicide on, but this year, no. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, uh, you know, last, last week in July really is that time um, where we're we're putting the first fungicide on the crop, and it's um, normally coincides uh, with the recommendation of the onset of disease. Now, we're not seeing very much disease in the crop at all. Some powdery mildew in places. These conditions are more conducive to powdery mildew than. Than, uh, than brown rust um, but that is um, in the ex- exceptions really so there's very little disease around what, particularly while 
the leaves are flat on the floor, flagging in this heat, uh, we wouldn't recommend putting um, fungicides on. So stick to the label recommendation, wait for the onset of disease, hopefully by which time temperatures will have cooled down, the leaves will have recovered, and the plant will be more receptive to, uh, to a fungicide. It's still really important that we plan the application in because the, the, the growth regulatory effects it has and the positive effect on yield. So we uh, certainly still intend on uh, applying fungicides to the crop. Uh, in terms of other um, application type agronomy, herbicides program seems to have worked quite well this year. Uh, most fields are fairly uh, uh, clean and, and as free of weed as they need to be. Very little in the way of bolting. Of course, the crop was quite late sown and we've had a pretty mild time since then, so bolters aren't uh, uh, too numerous. If there are any, then they need to be controlled, but weed beat uh, as well. Where we've got weed beating fields, they, they must be controlled and uh, unfortunately that timing is now so it's out in the field in this heat uh, before the, uh, the the weed beet sets seed uh, and obviously just take normal precautions when field working with uh, all of this hot weather. Other than that we're, we're probably just uh, preparing for next year's crop really so we're quite busy soil sampling, uh, delivering and applying Limex on farm, uh, preparing land for, for, for next year and uh, at the same time we're uh, planning for campaign so we'll be starting campaign um, towards mid towards the end of September um, to be to be confirmed or decided exactly so we're currently resourcing quite a lot of harvesting and haulage and uh, uh, appointing contractors for, for work so yeah it's uh, still all go even though we're out of season but uh, next time I uh, speak with you hopefully to give you a firm indication of when campaign will be and how the crop looks with some objective data. That's Nick Morris at British Sugar I read an interesting quote this week, which I thought worth sharing with you. It's from American politician Tom Barrett. He said, if the rain spoils our picnic, but it saves the farmer's crop, who are we to say it shouldn't rain? Like that. Well, a few picnics have been spoiled this weekend to the relief of some in farming. Uh, what does our agronomist Sean Sparling make of it all, though? Hello, Sean. Well, yeah, you couldn't be more bang on with that, Sean. What a philosophical genius you are. Um, yeah, it was always going to come at some point. It was never a question of if, it was always a question of when. And it's always at its driest, just before it starts to come wet. Thursday night into Friday, I took four millimetres. You could almost see my lawn growing when I left home on Friday morning. It varied a bit across the county. But the good thing about the heat that we've seen is the fact it looks like it's coming back. Once we get through these next two or three days, the long-range forecast looks similarly hot and dry, and that will only help harvest because it means we're not going to have huge drying costs. It means we can pick and choose fields. We can bring them in at the right time. We shouldn't be combining any cereals this year much above 14%. Peas shouldn't be above 14%. Um, Why would you want to do that? If Mother Nature wants to be clever about it and give us a heat wave, let her dry the crops and why should we spend that money doing it? Now, the qualities are pretty good. Clearly, the rain has come far too late for those crops that have already been harvested. But the fields out there, which we were starting to worry about, maybe four weeks ago, they were burning up, particularly on shallow soils over limestone on the heath. They've now been combined, and actually, they're pretty respectable. I've got winter wheat running nicely around the three and a half to four tonnes per acre mark. Spring barleys, they're running similarly well, two and a half to three tonnes. 
It's quite normal. Good nitrogens, good bushels, good quality, good hagbergs, good proteins. Everything seems reasonably good. And remember that it is quality which drives profit. Yield is one thing, and a lot of us strive for yield. But if you get a yield where you do five tonnes of wheat, average 2016, the price will fall because the supply is outstripping demand. And that means you're selling wheat for 125 quid a tonne. Um, and if that's 625 gross output, then that's what it is. If you yield four tonne and the price is £200 a tonne, that's 800 quid. So you're far better to have good quality and less of it than you are reasonable quality and far too much of it. And the picture is repeated across the world. There's a lot of people with lower yields this year. So supply and demand comes in. This should prove to be quite a profitable year as long as the quality is there on your farm. And that all depends on whether you were fortunate enough to get the rain at the right time and whether you had free draining soil and I think for me that is the key to success in 2018 it's free draining soils it's not about heavy it's not about light it's not about sand it's not about stony it's all about free draining soils because oilseed rape being a classic example the winter is what decided our fate on oilseed rape if you were on heavy land or light land but non-free draining land so land that sat wet all the way through the winter the land that the plants stayed small they didn't get going until the end of March because they were just wet. They were wet feet. They rotted off the fibrous roots. They thinned out over the winter. The weeds came through. All of that is what has governed what you've got at harvest. And if you were fortunate enough to get a bit of rain in May and June and July, those little pockets of rain have helped offset that damage that was done by the winter. But if you didn't, that is why some of these oilseed rapes are only doing 20 to 2,500 weight to the acre. There are the fields which were free draining through the winter which set off, and I've got aerial photographs of uh, fields next to other fields of oilseed rape. One would be free draining and well drained, the other not. And the difference is unbelievable. So the damage was done in the winter. And if you were fortunate enough to pick the right rain at the right time throughout the growing season, that has helped alleviate the problem. But like any other year, we get what we're given. Now, there is another phenomena in cereal crops, which are yielding pretty well, as I've said. And it's this pink hue to the stubble. It's not fusarium. It's a combination of a couple of things. Potassium in the, the straw and in the leaves, because as we said a few weeks ago, the biggest problem with drought is the plant can't move that potassium up into the ear. That's why you end up with slightly pinched grains, because potassium governs grain set. Um, it stays in the leaf. That means the straw has a lot more nutrient left in it. There's also another reason, and that's a thing called anthracinin, which is a stress enzyme produced by grasses and cereals. And it's that thing which gives Virginia creepers that beautiful red colour in the autumn. That's anthracinin. It does no damage to livestock. It's perfectly safe to feed and use for bedding. But that's what you're looking at in the field. So if you can afford to give that straw away, please don't chop it. Give it to the livestock men. Because this drop of rain will have been enough to help the, the maize and help the grass. But it won't be enough to sustain them and give them enough forage and bedding through the winter. The more we can do to help them, the more we should do. If we are haves, we should give to the have-nots and I think the livestock men may well be have-nots this autumn. So also what this is going to do is encourage a bit of disease maybe in the sugar beet. If you remember 15 years ago we only used to put one fungicide on then 10 years ago British Sugar said we should be putting two on now it's the norm to put three on. Don't work to calendar date watch the crops a lot of it will be late lift through the the nature of the season and we need to get some root bulk put on them so watch them as they go. If you get disease moving in then treat them with a fungicide take that opportunity to put a bit of mango 
manganese, magnesium, cheap as chips, but it will do a massive amount of good. We will see mildew and rust start to increase over the next two or three weeks now. Of that, I am absolutely sure. But the silver wine-moth caterpillars remain very low, below the five per plant threshold. I have seen more adults about just recently. Um, but similarly with black aphids, a lot of these crops are beyond the point where they're going to cause them a problem. And anyway, the predators, the ladybirds, the hoverflies, the lacewings have increased exponentially. They are dealing with that issue. So unless you have to put an insecticide on, please don't, because we'll let the beneficials do the job. So hopefully as we go forward over the next week or two of nice sunny weather, the quality will be the thing which drives the job forward. Don't get hung up on not getting a five-ton yield. Get hung up if the quality is not there and the yields aren't there. But I think what you'll find is quality will be a lot better and yields will be a lot better than we thought they possibly could be, even as recently as a fortnight ago. Thank you, Sean. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Right, let's get the latest then from the team at Openfield. Chris Spratt is here this week. Hello, Chris. Morning, Sean. Morning. Uh, umbrella this time, right? not, not to shade you from the sun. Oh, I know. It's crazy, isn't it, really? Uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure what we want at the moment, really, whether we want a drop of rain or whether we want the sun to come out again. Uh, certainly, uh, I think one or two growers have been talking about harvesting wheat and barley around the 12% mark. And of course, you know, uh, looking on the pessimistic side, there is a little bit of a weight loss incurred with that, that, by that. So this, these showers maybe will give them the opportunity to get in there and get something uh, a bit nearer the mark. As far as the market's concerned, well, that's traded higher on the week, significantly higher, really. Uh, we're back to the days of seeing a six to ten pound variation on the day either up or down and uh, you know we are starting to see some very large yield variations I think overall the trade seems to be working at the moment on 10% lower than last year uh, but I, I think you know it is really very very early to sort of be categoric really I've got some some big variations like I say um, internationally the International Grains Council well they cut 16 million uh, tonnes off their last wheat forecast and they're now down to 721 million tonnes in their figures that's from last year they had a figure in there of 758 and strangely enough they've still got Australia in there at 22 million tonnes of wheat forecast for this next season and, and that seems a little high to me uh, as far as the domestic markets concerned, well, bushel weights on wheat, they do appear to be holding up uh, relatively well, I would say, uh, and that's encouraging, certainly when we get on to maybe uh, the more traditional wheat lands. Uh, harvest three weeks earlier than normal, Sean, so what we've actually got uh, is a situation where three months ago we were probably uh, having consumers wanting us to hold wheat back for uh, you know a, a, an August sort of position, and so now uh, everyone's got uh, wheat trying to get out while wheat's trying to get in, so... The spot position um, on haulage is quite uh, chaotic and uh, it's, it's really uh, a difficult situation for the whole industry. Availability and, and just lorries in the right place at the right time is, is proving an issue without a shadow of a doubt. The ethanol plants at the moment, I seem to think they're taking the uh, imported line of supply at this moment in time to see them through, hopefully maybe switching to domestic later on. But when you've got wheat in the 180s and 190s, uh, it'll be interesting to see how things work when they start putting those numbers in the calculation. As far as prices are concerned, well, like I say, this week being a very volatile week, we've seen prices up most definitely, but a six to eight pound variation on some days. So if we look at uh, our prices uh, domestically in our area, harvest, probably £3 up, £3 down, dependent on whether you're the south of the uh, south of our listening area or up into uh, North Yorkshire. Um, harvest 180, November 186, May 192 X Farm, and then November 19 feed wheat on the new crop now, 172, with May 2020 178. 
feed barley, 154 to 158 for harvest X farm, with uh, October-November time around about the 160 mark. Spring barley is the first ones of those that we're seeing now. The quality looks to be reasonable, actually, far better than what we, we might have envisaged um, and, and certainly usable on the early samples. And they're trading around about a £30 premium, which is somewhere in the region of £190 for the autumn. Of course, you know, we are going to see an extended spring barley harvest because we, we know the uh, the wide range of, uh, of, of timescale that they went in the ground. And certainly as far as Europe's concerned on the barleys, well, they look to be having a relatively poor do. So I think going forward, our barleys will be needed either domestically or, or on the export market. All seed rate, well, that's again all about movement, really. Um, not a lot going to the crush direct at this moment in time. Uh, a lot going to store. All seed rate has really been firm, but as much as anything, uh, really, it's trading politics and looking for the latest tweets that's going on with the talks between China and the US. As far as prices are concerned, uh, holding firm around the 300 to 305 mark for harvest and 315 to 320 for November. And then finally, beans, we're starting to see some early cut samples from further south. They are high brew kid, as, uh, as I think we expected, really. So harvest feed beans, 185 to 190, with November feed beans, 195 to 200 pound X farm. Thanks, Chris. More from Open Field next week. Right, now, July has been dry overall, if we kind of ignore the last three or four days. But what do the last few days of the month have in store for us? The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Well, there's further rain today. Wet and windy. That wind from the south, 30, maybe even gusting at 50 miles an hour. Some heavy rain through the day as well. 18, maybe 20 Celsius later. A little bit drier overnight tonight. We're looking at lows of around 13 degrees. The wind dropping down as well from the south-southwest. 10 miles an hour, still gusting at 20 in places. A little bit warmer tomorrow. Mostly dry as well with some sunny spells. 24 the high. The wind from the south-southwest, 15 to 20 miles an hour. And then it should be clear skies overnight, Monday into Tuesday. We're looking at lows of around 13 degrees. The wind from the southwest at about 10 miles an hour. Some sunshine on Tuesday, but cloudy as well. 20, 21 the high. The wind from the southwest at about 15 miles an hour. And then into Wednesday, it looks like being a sunny day. Again, we're looking at temperatures of around 23 Celsius, more nearer the norm for this time of year. The wind continuing from the southwest. The latter end of the week will again further sunshine, warming up again as well. We could be hitting 25, maybe 26 Celsius come the end of the week. Of course, the hourly updates will keep you updated on that. For now, though, that's the forecast and another week in the world of agriculture. More of the same at the same time next week. Until then, as ever, try and keep dry and have a good week's farming.